and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Green Book, directed by Peter Farrelly and released in 2018. The plot of Green Book goes something like this. A working class Italian-American bouncer becomes the driver of an African-American classical pianist on a tour of venues through the American South in the 1960s. And as we usually do, we'll do a bit of a spoiler-free section up front to tell you whether we think you should see this movie before we talk about it. Spoilers. Yeah, um, I'm, I don't I mean, if you want to, I guess. Yeah. I'm not going to go out of my way to recommend this movie. I don't think it's that great, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Mm. It's pretty entertaining to watch. Um, Mahershala Ali does a really good job in this mm. movie, although he's not a supporting actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's okay. It's definitely not worth the uh, amount of fuss that's been kicked up over it. Yeah. Like, uh, as a thing to watch, it is fine, but... If you know anything about what's gone on around the making of it, you can't help but kind of go, wow, did did anyone like check in on any of these decisions at any point while this movie was being made? It's honestly surprising that it comes out as well as it does. But yeah, like if it's your thing, sure. To me, it's kind of an old fashioned movie. The first first line of my notes is baby boomer nostalgia. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like an old fashioned movie made by paternalistic good white guys and a token good black guy who can be an interesting center of the film as well it, it just sort of feels a bit weird once you start watching it as well the whole thing it becomes really obvious that it's all from Viggo Mortensen's character's perspective and that kind of starts to wear a little thin towards the end but in terms of entertainment value it's perfectly watchable yeah I mean yeah well we'll get into some of the other stuff later I just think I don't know I really feel like it's not worth all the fuss this bit. Like, I feel like it could have just been totally, almost totally ignored. Yeah. You it, know what I mean? Like, it could have just gone completely under the radar and been almost totally ignored as a sort of little curiosity movie. Like, the this, amount of attention that's been generated around it is crazy to me because it just isn't deserving of this level of attention. Yeah, there's so it's many just fine. other small films that could have been in Oscar contention that are probably better. Yeah, I don't know. It must be, like striking a nerve with some people <laughs> because mm. it's just not that so it's actually exciting. funny um i watched ballad of buster scruggs yesterday on netflix and to me it struck a similar like white baby boom and nostalgia chord okay similar sort of like it was old-fashioned it was all very clearly from the view of the white people and it hadn't really taken into account the the thoughts of maybe native americans it was very kind of old school and i i do wonder if there's that i think there's that factor at play it's sort of thinking about their childhood of the baby boomers kind of stuff going on. Honestly, that's all I can think of to explain it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, we'll, we'll – we, we might we'll dig into it. Might dig yeah, into it. Yeah, we're, we're resounding – sure, if you want to watch it, watch it, whatever. A resounding meh from yes, us. From <laughs> us on whether you should watch it. Uh, so if you haven't seen Green Book and you don't want to get spoiled, we're going to start talking about spoilers now. So pause the podcast and come back when you've seen the movie. So, yeah, I think – Ultimately, this movie kind of once it gets going and once it settles into its, its groove is a lot better. And talking about how it's all from Viggo Mortensen's character's perspective, I think you kind of dig in a lot more to Mahershala Ali's perspective in the second half. He even gets some scenes when Viggo Mortensen's not there. Um, so, like, it really kind of starts to to shift a lot in the mm. second act for me or the second, really the second half, not the second act, but, mm. like, that's where it picks up. 
and gets good. And a lot of the quotable stuff and a lot of the stuff that's kind of hit the zeitgeist about this movie happens in that back half. Mm. And a lot of the really objectionable stuff happens in that first half. There are some very weird things in this movie. I think the weirdest thing was the affair that um, – can't remember his name now, Don. Yeah, Don Shirley. Shirley. That's like Don Valentine. No, that's not his name. Not far. <laughs> Don Shirley has with this guy for one night. Yeah. That's then like completely brushed off. And Vigo Mortensen's character, whose name I've, oh, Tony Lip, mm. is like, oh, I get it. I worked in clubs. And I'm like, you're telling me that this racist, sexist sack of shit doesn't care that he had sex with a man. Mm. Like, that's what you're trying to convince me of. It's such a weird stance to have. Well, it's kind of weird, yes, because of everything we've seen coming before about this guy. It is such a strange stance. Like, it is such a strange stance for the movie to take. And, like, if you watch any movies from this period, you know that's not what the culture is like, you know. And if you're trying to do a portrait of somebody who was in – a racist culture who then had their mind changed. Yeah, which Why is what the rest of it is. Why would you not make this a part of it mm. and, you know, try and weave that into it as a, in, in, as part of the uh, interest of the story and mm. part of a and growing understanding of inclusivity? Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, that this whole scene. Like if you'd, if you'd come to a more of a growing realisation – that Don was gay and this is what happens and this is how, like, his life is. That The way he does what he's supposed to do with the the racism and some yeah. of the other stuff, it would make more sense. But it kind of just – it comes really late in the movie. And, out of nowhere. And out of – yeah, out of nowhere. And I don't know if there was, like, an attempt at doing some coding earlier in the movie that I missed. I mean, maybe, like, the apartment and the fact that he's sitting on a throne, but that could also be coding many things. Well, because for me, that was just a direct – well, I suppose that does make sense. They do compare him to um, – what's his name? The, the Liberace. The, yeah, they compare yeah. him to Liberace a couple of times. So, they do. like, maybe that's coding. But they were just pro- – he was just the most famous piano player for a while. Yeah, yeah. In the know? 60s, he wasn't out or anything like no. that. No. Yeah, no, I watched that movie um, behind the candelabra. Ooh. Um, <laughs> like, this – that movie was worse than this. Yeah, yeah, I'm it no doubt. a lot worse than this. It was really cringy to watch, whereas this has some at least good moments. And I think Mahershala Ali is really trying to do the best that he can, and he really mm. saves this movie a lot of the time yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. And – once Vigo settles into that relationship and it's a bit less caricature what he's mm. doing, it, he gets a lot better too. I genuinely couldn't stand him for the first half hour of the movie. Like every three seconds I was like, why do I have to watch this piece of crap for this? Like I couldn't yeah. stand him. I know, he's, he's awful. He's My- awful to his wife. He's awful to everyone he works with. He's violent. He's unpleasant. I, I describe him as a shit in like four notes. Mm. <laughs> I called him a shit and then I said lying sack of shit yeah. and a few other things. Like I really, really found it hard to watch him mm. for the first half an hour. In fact, uh, most of my notes are in that half an hour. And then as it got to the back half, I was like, oh, I can watch this. And I stopped taking as many. M- most um, of mine are as well, actually, in the first part of it. Just like, oh, what did they do there? Oh, yeah. I have – also some notes that I don't understand. Um, yeah. But oh, yes, we should be clear, by the way, I saw this about six or seven weeks ago on a preview screening and Katie saw it like a week ago. So I did. 
And so I've now got notes that just say things like zoom, which I've um I've remembered is in reference to a camera move. But oh, okay. <laughs> I have I've got notes that I took on this film that are um yeah, cryptic to say the least. Yeah, yeah. No, there are some that I can't remember what exactly they they relate to. Mm. Um, but I do know that at one point I wrote, "You can tell this was directed by a white male comedy guy." Yeah, there are some beats in the movie that are not really supposed to be comedic, but that are played in sort of a comedic way. Uh. Like it's it's not supposed to be a funny scene, but his timing is still in mm. that comedy mode, which is a very strange thing. Um, yeah. And it happens again mostly in the first half, um, especially around Tony and his friends and things where I'm like, are these guys supposed to be funny? Mm. Are we supposed to be laughing with them or at them? Or in some way, because I'm not sure if he was going for funny, but the way that it's the scene is set up seems like yeah. it's meant to be funny. Yeah, it well it does, and it, it kind of looks like he's he's go, doing a bit good fellas with them as well, because he tries does try to imitate some of those long camera shots and stuff in with those guys as well. Yeah, well he's no um, that's Scorsese, right? Yeah, yeah, he's no Martin Scorsese. No, he is is not. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, he is. And I've actually got a note in here about Mahershala's timing of some of his lines because again, he um, he does a lot with sort of a well placed look. Yeah. So so there is there is definitely that sense of that. And there's also some bits that are kind of absurdist. Like we get that goddamn KFC scene that's in the trailer lasts like five full minutes. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that it lasted a long time either because to me that's one of the best sort of scenes of them starting to bond. Mm. It really feels like something that could happen. Yeah, It doesn't feel forced or fake the way it goes in the movie and I think that's partly because it's allowed to take its time to happen Mm. Um, and – Mahershala is just kind of you know how you know those people who are just a force of will and you just kind of get like roll steamrolled yes. by them yes I do <laughs> I don't know anybody like that but um yeah you can tell that that's what's happening in this scene mm. right he just he wants to say no he keeps trying to say no and and um Tony's just like come on just try it just try it I'm not gonna give up till you try it and he's like fine it's just to try and keep the peace and then he actually turns out you know, he and it ends it. up enjoying it and then it ends with – but I feel like it also ends with him sort of reclaiming some of that control with, mm. the, with the throwing the, the, throwing cup, the out. cup out. Scrolls and lead it. Yeah. Yeah. So it – and this is the thing. It ends with him like – it ends without giving Vigo all the power in that scene. Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot in this movie. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. And I think that's what saves it from becoming – too racist well yeah uh, because it ha- that happens on multiple occasions and one of the things i really liked about the movie's concept of don shirley is that he is very strong in his boundaries and his dignity mm. like that the throne and everything is for and the way he dresses in his apartment and everything like, is all for a reason mm. he knows that he because he's black he can't get away with sloppiness in any kind of way which is still a thing and he has developed very particular ways of interacting with the world so that he can still assert his boundaries and maintain his dignity right and even when there's like even when there's scenes that end on a sour note for one of them they sort of balance it out by the next couple of scenes yeah yeah so 
the movie never really feels like it's, even though it is all from Viggo Mortensen's perspective, and you can definitely tell that Tony's son wrote this, mm-hmm. they seem to manage to balance the power quite well between the two of them. Yeah. Even at the end of it, when um, Don comes to Tony's house for dinner, he doesn't get steamrolled into making that choice. He goes and makes that choice by himself. Mm-hmm. It is his, it doesn't take away from him his agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure it would if he were a woman, but it doesn't take away his agency. So, like, I think that's the reason that it doesn't completely fall into racist traps or Mm -hmm. racist tropes. Um, And I think that's why, like we were talking about before, before we recorded this, it's sort of there's a lot of stuff that is quite white savory, and there's a lot of stuff that is quite magical negro y, Mm. but it doesn't quite tip over into either of those it's not as egregious as it could have been in either of those cases right exactly because they keep trying to maintain this balance between the characters Mm -hmm. um and so and that's like again all in the second half so i think that's why i didn't find it as bad as i thought it would be Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it just doesn't end up being it's still got a lot of problems yeah but it always kind of balances it that sort of the good things really like it's it's very it works hard to kind of make you realize that things are going to work out great in the end and like even the way that it ends that you know the christmas rush to get home like it, mm. it kind of then brings in all the tropes of a christmas movie as they rush to get home it also brings in that don't forget there are good cops too moment that mm. i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> so unnecessary but yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah it does it's, it's all to make you kind of feel good yeah, so whenever there is something that's harsh or bad, it's always offset by things going better somewhere else or Tony learning a lesson and becoming a better person because of it. Yeah, although the, I do find the both sides kind of stuff a bit frustrating. Yeah, it is, it's um, very frustrating. Especially with the whole like – because it's kind of going for there's, – there's two layers of this film mm. where it's talking about the race relations but it's also talking about like Don being – kind of a snob mm. basically mm-hmm. and like um very upper class the class rich. stuff yeah yeah the class stuff but his background's not upper class right i don't believe so so like it's not like he was born into this world and never had an experience of anything else yeah which is why like very very early on before his family had spoken out or anything else people, well, some of people's first objection was the fried chicken thing like no he didn't grow up this guy he has eaten fried chicken at some point in his life like they don't go into that stuff like there is he may not have. him in there's a, lots of things that i that it's I true never we don't know and and given that he's a, a classical pianist he probably grew up relatively middle class because he could afford piano lessons and stuff but you don't we don't know we don't know what anything about this guy they say that no they tell us how he learned piano in the film oh do they yeah yeah it's when they're sitting in that they're sitting in chairs drinking Mm. At one before one of the shows, or after one of the shows, or something. Mm. It's um, it's post the weird um gay scene. Mm. No, uh, I, I can actually picture the scene in my head. Yeah, I know the or one. just post the um him getting beaten up in the mm. in the bar scene. I think it might be that one. It, it's not long after that, and he tells Tony how he learned piano, and then he does the bit about um nobody can play Brahms. Was it Brahms? Somebody like that, um, like me. Yeah. I there were some bits of that that rang really true, like the classical musicians who don't just don't know any pop music. Yeah, uh, and some bits of it where 
I just don't know what's true or not. Like a lot of his stories are very much like Tony told them to his son who wrote them down and put them in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than like these are the gospel truth of the story as I know it. And of course, Tony being such a personality, having told these stories to his kids, like there is an air of embellishment in yeah. a lot of them and an air of like Tony coming out the hero in a lot of them as well. Yeah. Again, or Tony having the right line at the right time, you know. Yeah. That's the, again, the sort of stuff though that like when Tony saves Don from those cops, Don then points out that the way that he did that was wrong. Like that, mm. that he did something wrong there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know how it all come comes out, as, out on balance. He doesn't come out as perfect, but he does, it does sort of come out as you can tell who the person was who told this story. Yeah. By the way the rhythm of this works. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's frustrating because it's it's very much from one person's point of view, mm. and there's definitely plenty of racist things in, it and plenty of plenty of like latent racism and all that sort mm. of stuff in it. One of them being that there's absolutely nobody else in this movie, and no other black person in this movie, who has any real impact on mm. the story. Yeah, they're all just background characters. There's one woman at the end who asks Don to play in her restaurant. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah, there is that that final scene in that restaurant where we what we actually see black culture and and Vigo has to walk into something that he's not familiar with. Well, there's that hotel as well. Oh yeah, but that is super racist. That is just super racist. Yeah, like the kind of everybody's playing whatever game they're playing there. Yeah, and, and the drinking and yeah. That, I don't not, not at, that was at like so. There's one place that they go to where all this the staff are outside playing dice and Vigo joins yeah, in. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm at the other one where they're, when they're at, when uh, Mahershala's got to stay at the other hotel yeah. and it's really bad and he sits I outside in his chair. I don't think they're playing dice. It looks like, like, ring oh, toss right, yeah. or so, horse so, Some kind of something. gambling game anyway. And yeah. his drinking is getting worse and, yeah, and it, that's that's when he goes downtown and picks up the other guy, I think. Yeah. That might be the one. Yeah, and, and it's I, I know what it's doing. Mm. It's setting us up for that scene later where Don is in the rain and he's like, mm. well, if I'm not black enough and I'm not white enough and all that other stuff, which is a really, really interesting scene. Mm. But I think it's more of an interesting scene. Like, it's definitely something that I've seen expressed a lot from people who are mixed race, mm. like a lot. Mm, like cross-cultural, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it so much in somebody who was black from both parents, which I assume Don Shirley was. Again, I don't know. Okay. Might not um, be. Yeah, I sort of took that as being a bit about the class stuff because every time Vigo refers to some kind of black culture thing, it's always like working class black culture as opposed to middle class black culture. But I, I, I don't know if that was that was where I was going with it. But, yeah, you're right. It's, it's the kind of speech you normally hear from somebody who's mixed race. Yeah. But it's also that kind of those assumptions of culture and race um, always intersecting and always mm. overlying each other, which is not always the case. Yeah. And it – it's interesting. I'd like to see it explored in a better movie than this. Well, yeah. And more from the point of view of the person who's experiencing it. Yeah. Well, if they're just, I mean, there were some 
black people behind the scenes. Octavia Spencer has a producer credit on this. But, yeah, like maybe <laughs> one black writer or a black director or something could maybe do that with a bit more nuance. I did write that. I was like, hire black people, oh, hire Octavia Spencer during the credits. Yeah. Um, but I did actually look up for the um, – especially the cinematographer and mm. the lighting crew because both of us took notes on that restaurant scene that the lighting is terrible mm-hmm. for black people. Yeah. Terrible. There are people in that scene that you can't see. Yeah. Like, can you imagine watching an entire movie and then there's one scene with white people in it and they're all washed out and you can't see them? They're I blending just... into the back. Like, and, and Marshall Ali's dark skinned as well, so it just doesn't doesn't do him any favors a lot of the time. I mean, no. usually he looks okay because he's the star, or well, you know, he's the co-star. I and in fact, I don't even hate it that they've given like that they've put him in as supporting actor because in a lot of ways he is the supporting story to this but i do hate it i I, I really hate it because it diminishes his it diminishes his role in the movie a lot Mm. like people are going to look back on this and go oh he's a supporting character in it when he isn't he's the second lead the movie is supposed to be about both of them Mm. um and it diminishes his role it almost diminishes don shelley's role in his own story a lot yeah um i find that really frustrating also because it's not fair that he's going up against people who were genuinely playing supporting roles. Yeah. It's just unfair yeah. to do that. I hate that at the Oscars. You know, and they've oh, done yeah. it with the Best Supporting Actress stuff as well. Yes. Like with Rachel Weisz, yeah. Yeah. It's appalling that people do that. Mm. It, it just it frustrates the hell out of me. Cause it, it, mm. Both because it seems, a bit, it seems too much like cheating. And also I think there's like a racist component to it this year because mm. they're like, oh, he's not going to get best lead actor. And like, he, I feel like he's getting a lot of the awards because they're like, oh, we're not giving enough so black I people feel, awards. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's getting a lot of the awards. Yeah. For exactly that reason. But also uh, we know that this film was racist and didn't exactly do the real guy behind your character much justice, but you did a good job kind of thing. Like, we're sorry. We love this movie so much. We're going <laughs> to assuage our guilt by giving you this Oscar. Yeah. All these awards that he's already been winning. The thing is, he probably his. I I don't remember who the other ones against him are, but his is probably the best performance in that group. But of the a, supporting actors, yeah. Well, that's uh, he's up against Sam Elliott and Richard E. Grant, right? That's who are right. both very very good, as yeah. we've discussed. But that's the thing: Sam Elliott and Richard E. Grant are definitely playing supporting roles. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and really good supporting roles. Especially, God, Richard E. Grant just killed me mm-hmm. in that movie. But he is that's what supporting. Makes <laughs> Supporting the lead performance. This mm. is not a supporting role. It is a lead role. Yeah, it's it supposed to be a two-hander. Role. But the, the film, it, like, it, he also gets treated a lot worse by the film. Yes, but that isn't. I don't think that's offset by putting him in the supporting actor. Like that just to me exacerbates mm. the problem. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and also I think he could beat all the other people who are bu- who are up for best lead actor because there's not that much good stuff in there there's anyway. Not, not a lot of competition. The only is other there. person that I think is going to would go up against him if he was in lead actor is Rami for Bohemian for, Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to get it. Yeah, but like so if I think if Mahershala had been going in the lead in the lead, he'd set, be in with a really good shot. I think he would be. Yeah, the the lead group, lead acting group. Literally, mm. I just want to like take out three of them, put three, put yeah. another man and two women in there and call it a day yeah. because the, it's it's largely not very impressive no, performances. C- C- Christian Bale in there because he's wearing makeup. Bradley Cooper, who was fine, but, you know, whatever. We discussed that when we saw that movie. Willem Dafoe from a movie nobody's ever seen. Uh, Rummy, who can stay, and um, and Vigo. 
So, like, yeah, he'd easily get into that group. Like, he'd be getting ahead of Vico, probably. Yeah. To be fair, I do love Willem Dafoe. <laughs> but, uh, like, sure, but, like, he's been up for Oscars a lot, and this year it's for a film. No- he's, he's he's always up for films nobody saw. Yeah, he was up last year for the Florida Project. Who saw that? Was No, he was up for – wasn't he up for uh, Phantom it, Thread? No, he wasn't in Phantom Thread. Oh, who was that guy? Um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, whoops. I get the two of them mixed up. Um, <laughs> no, you're never allowed to make fun of me for mixing people up again if you're mixing up Willem Dafoe and Daniel Day-Lewis. They're a lot alike and they both have D names. They and they're the similar era. Like. I don't know. I always I get the two of them mixed up constantly. Um, they haven't even had remotely similar roles. I, I just do. I do not <laughs> I know, know why. But- Anyway, but that feels like a making up the numbers nominee in that category. But anyway, we were actually talking about the cinematography. And so while you while we were talking about the Oscar thing as well, I was looking up the cinematographer as well. Because, like, this is, is not – It's good. not well shot. Not well shot. It's not exceptionally well shot. Mm. It's shot fine except for the lighting problem. Yeah. Um, the direction, I think, is, is about as pedestrian as you can get, to be honest. Yes, yes. It is, like, one shot, two shot. Nice long shot, you know. Look at the pretty background. It, there's mm. nothing in it that's special in terms of cinematography. No, no. It's it, a lot, of, and a lot of it relies on like I mean, direction, the production design, like that pretty green car, or like the set of uh, Mahershala's apartment, or something like that. Yeah. If you do it, if if they're doing a pretty shot, that's usually what's what it's relying on. Yeah, I I feel like it's just not. I mean, there's some shots that are good, but I wouldn't call any of it exceptional. I'm mm. still mad. That we're turning. I'm turning this into an Oscars podcast, but I'm still mad that um, Mission Impossible was not up for any, not up for the cinematographer, os- mm. cinematography Oscar. Yeah, I'm mad about that. Like, yeah, I know that it wasn't. It's an action movie, and they're not going to give it anything or anything like mm. that. But that was the best cinematography I saw all year. Mm. Maybe if I saw Roma in the cinema. Yeah, that well, Roma deserves to be in that group, but like also, there's so much more. And A Star Is Born had pretty good cinematography, but honestly, the others are the favorite and two I haven't seen. So, the favorite also had fine cinematography, but, but not, not, none of not it, exceptional. It didn't blow my socks off like watching Mission no, Impossible. No. Did. Like Mission Impossible did things that I've never seen done mm. before in an action movie, mm. or I think in any movie. Some of those shots were astoundingly beautiful. Yeah. I can't believe that they didn't even think about putting that up for best cinematography. It had the best cinematography <clears> of the year. Like, except as I said, probably Roma Roma was great cinematography. Yeah. Hereditary also had amazing cinematography. Yeah. I think the the locking out of Hereditary was a- We talk cinematography a lot and we named a lot of films that aren't even didn't even get in there. Yeah, and, we and did name Star is Born. Star is Born did have Star is Born was good. I that deserves it. And 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 Roma. But I just like everything in this movie, it's fine. Yeah. It's basic. It's like it gets but the it, job done. To me, that scene in the bar should just disqualify it from everything. I mean, the, the restaurant should disqualify yeah, yeah. it from everything because if you can't light mm. the people in your movie, you don't deserve to get credit for yeah. it. It's 20 oh, – this was 2018 when this made this was made. Hire someone to do it properly. Yeah. Like it's not hard. Look at the – you do the lighting test and then go, hmm, maybe this isn't quite right. We should get someone who knows what they're doing. Or if you didn't notice till, till colour correction later and editing later, do different editing and do different colour correction because yeah. it's not working. Yeah. You can't see people. Ugh, that just was yeah, infuriating. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, and then, you know, the fact that he was all, oh, I don't want to play in a place where they've got whiskey on the 
piano and then there's whiskey on the piano and everything so that he'd get taught a lesson kind of annoyed me too. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of things in that scene. Because otherwise, that me. yeah, because it's so cliched in a lot of ways. It was fun in that the piano playing was amazing and he is when it, when they do a concert scene it was he was always very magnetic and they always set it up so that everyone was looking at him but it was also like oh, of course this is how we had to finish this and at the same time he does play classical and everybody cheers for him yeah but he plays very well and so people are like oh yeah this is great yeah and um, then of course the lesson is learned and he is able to jam with the band yeah i i did um, there's a note I also wrote that says Mahershala slaying the game in this okay movie. Yeah, so. that's right. I've written about at some point he breaks out a smile mm. and I'm just like, oh, my God. He just lights up the screen. Yeah, it's the, He's, it's the chicken. Yeah. The chicken's the first time and then he, but he, he does sort it, of does a yeah, lot in the, that, in the they, piano as well. They deploy his smile at, yeah, at, at particular points. Yes. And the, the chicken is the first one, but then I've written it in because I've written it next to my lighting comment, so I've, it's that point. Yeah, and he it just completely lights up the whole thing. Yeah, he never does, and then when he does, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's gorgeous. Anyway. So beautiful. Also, speaking of beautiful, Linda Cardellini is, like, so great and so wonderful and so underused <laughs> in this movie, so poorly used in this movie. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah, because she's so – like, and, and she really is great. Like, because, you know, the real woman's kids were around, she had a lot of access to stuff and was able – she gave what to me felt like a really genuine performance that she put a lot of work into about what it is like to be a woman in that era in that place mm. married to an Italian all that kind of stuff and it, it felt or like she, she I think is she's Italian. also Italian yes um, but she put in like she really put in the work with that performance even yeah. though it was small and you know didn't really give her as much as she could do like but it really also she was so great that it showed how good she is and what she can do I did have a note at the end that said none of these people have a bigger place than Tony and Dolores to hold Christmas. Like there's nobody else in their family well, that yeah. has a bigger house so that they can host Christmas in it. And that seemed actually – that seemed perfectly realistic to me. They don't have a lot of money. They all live in Jersey. Like, I, and that, none of the rest of them have kids either. Well, that that was the slightly unusual thing um, for Italians in the 1960s. But, but like, yeah, these, this family, they're all in the one bedroom – I would have thought that somebody else probably had somewhere that they could host Christmas, uh, but wouldn't I, have been wouldn't have been as convenient for the plot. I think. Is. I yeah. I mean, maybe, but it also make it made also made quite a bit of sense to me. Mm. I wrote a note at one point. It just says Aragorn, <laughs> and I no, but I know what it's about. It was me trying to compare in my head the performance of Aragorn. Where, like, Viggo Mortensen did almost nothing and was perfect all the time and, like, so watchable and so magnetic. Almost nothing except live as a ranger for how <laughs> no, no. many months. I mean, like, he wasn't talking a lot. He wasn't mm. – it wasn't big acting like mm-hmm. this movie. Um, I, yeah. I didn't mean he wasn't doing anything. He was. He was acting. But he wasn't, like, you know, filling up a room or anything. Mm-hmm. He was just being the character. Yes. And he was so good at it. Yeah. Like trying to I I mean I usually don't have a lot of problems with these things like actors playing a lot of different roles and yeah. and adjusting to them. But me trying to marry the person who played Aragorn in my head to this role mm. was so hard cuz I was like it's just not very good, I don't think. I just don't get why people are into his performance in this. I feel like it's very stereotyped. Yeah. It's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time it doesn't feel genuine. A lot of capital A acting, a lot of accent, loud accent work, a lot of like, 
I put on weight for this role, a lot of walking in a certain way going on. Yeah, it's it's just a lot. Yeah. And not necessarily good. It, it is the kind of thing that comes out of a, a comedy person because it's a, a lot of it's in the physicality. Right. And but that's not who Vigo is. No. And that's not and what his performances are normally like. No, that's why I think he's it normally was so... quite subtle and and like you say kind of un- underplays a little bit. Yeah, and I was just really sh- surprised. Mm. And and you know, um our radio co-host was saying that he thinks this is Vigo's best role and I'm like, "No, it isn't." And he was saying, "Oh, acting-wise." I'm like, "No, it still isn't. It just isn't." Like I have seen him in other things where I thought he was good, but it it doesn't Hold yeah. a candle to Aragorn. It's showy is the thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, and Aragorn can be showy, you know, when he bursts through the doors. Yeah, yeah. But that's but like. But it, that that only works because of the, um, he's able to sort of hold a lot of that in. Like, yeah. that's the whole point. I mean, the whole point of Aragorn is that he's undercover king, you know. Yeah. Like, so he is quite, he, he's got this charisma that you don't know where it quite comes from and he's trying to pass as a normal guy and then every so often he, <laughs> you know, it c- comes out of him and that. It's the opposite kind of acting almost. It's like king trying to keep all that tamped down. And this one is just like throwing it all out there. Yeah, and it's not even about the personality of the character really. It's There's, there's a very different style. Mm. I was not a huge fan. It is. It is but like it's, it's an entirely different school of acting. And but, there's some moments that I really like it. When they're doing the letter writing is mm, great. Yes, it is He really feels good. so much like a real guy then. Yeah. He's just kind of like slumping over it and going, I don't know what I'm doing. It's, it's, it's like working with like a 10-year-old kid on their yeah. writing. That feels very real and very relatable, yeah. But then, you know, there's other moments where I was just watching him and I think that was when they were sharing the bedroom mm. that I wrote that. And I was like, I can't put this person <laughs> – like in my head with the person who played Aragorn, it's so strange to me that he's just not the same, like he's not doing even remotely the same thing. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you know, the performance is 20 years apart, but yeah, it is. It's, it's a know, very different. People don't tend, don't usually get yeah. that much worse over <laughs> like over time. They usually get better. Well, yeah. And he's not phoning it in. It's not no. like he's like. Well, it, it more feels like he's going to break out every trick he ever learned in acting school. Like instead of doing what he's done in most of his films where he's been, especially because he works with a lot of indie directors and sort of on lower key stuff, he's always kind of done the naturalistic thing. He's like, I'm going to break out every trick. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. strange. Okay, I'm going to go through my notes. Mm. I wrote subtle racism there when he put the cups in the bin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Very subtle. And then Dolores pulls them out. She's like, I am not wasting good cups. Well, that, and she is also like, why are you racist? What what is wrong with you? Um, I wrote a note that says, welcome to the Italian stereotype club. Yeah. The club at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Because there was every Italian stereotype under Mm -hmm. the book in that club, except for maybe somebody making pasta, but then we see that a little bit later. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what else did I write? Should have hired the Asian guy, which was when, oh. when he was going for the job interview and, and he made assistant. some racist comment about yeah. the Asian guy. No, not the assistant, the, another guy. Um, yeah, um, should have, yeah, sorry, should have hired he, the, uh, the racist guy as his driver. Sorry, as his assistant, I meant as his driver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yes. his assistant was Iqbal Thieber, yeah, who, who I thought was so good in this movie. Like, he was my favorite small role in this movie because he's almost not in it and he's so funny every time he's in it. Mm. He's just so disdainful towards Tony yeah. and he's so like, I don't know, he's just so good. Yeah, and a lot of it's done in reactions yeah. and faces and stuff. And just like walking around looking at things. Yeah. He was really funny. I'm a big fan of poaching. 
Oh, yeah. And then also in that scene, uh, Vigo says, I was in public relations. Yeah. Which made me write, okay, Jane. Because that's what they say Jane does on the ship in Firefly. Right. Um, yep. That, um, uh, that, that squares. Yes. I also wrote down that he, and this is probably him throwing, doing that, throwing everything at the screen. He does these kind of Trump-esque hand gestures. Ah. Which I was like, you can really see the mob connection, the Trump mob connection. Yeah. When you watch people do caricatures of Italian mobsters. I hadn't thought of that. And I know Tony's not a mobster and, and tries no, hard not to be, but, he, but he's definitely in that world. Yes. And that's yes. like, and Trump isn't Italian. No, but he's, yeah. But you can see those mob connections yeah. in those ki- that kind of physicality. I, yeah, yes. or he's adopted the mannerisms because he, he's seen it work that yeah. way. Yeah. And that's what he does. I mean, he thinks he is that guy. Mm. <laughs> There's another um, note about early note about me about Tony that said from me about Tony that says this entitled vindictive shit. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and my personal favorite note, which is, I wish I had the ability to drip with the same amount of disdain as Mahershala Ali. I actually think I might do, but yes, <laughs> it's so good. He's so good. It's so delicious when he's so disdainful towards Tony at yep. the beginning. It's so good because, and also because you've just spent so long hating Tony. <laughs> Yeah, he just absolutely deserves this. Yeah, and then there's that weird bit where Tony talks talks about how he's more black than Mahershala Ali. Oh yeah, They've yeah. Got more yep. in common with people in like my in your neighborhood in New York than I do with yeah. these hillbillies. Yeah, it's that stuff. whole oh the class out. He's he's like oh but but the class thing, like I'm working class, so therefore I understand black culture. Like it was very yeah. Except that I've been racist my whole life. Yeah, and also yeah, it's just no you don't you yeah. don't have a clue you idiot uh, uh there's also a bit where i was looking at Marshall ali talking about how you never win with violence mm. and coming from a white screenwriter that just made me think of like rich white people sort of going don't fight back don't punch nazis yeah yeah be peaceful and yeah, and yeah. then you'll prevail yeah your tone be civil yeah mm. although i mean that said he has to come at it from a different perspective as well because he can't afford the luxury of being violent. Yeah. Because it's his life is on the line because if he's violent in front of white people or the police or whatever, that, that's mortal danger to him to right. do that. So, I mean, he comes – there is that aspect to it if, you, if I'm being kind. But you're right. It, coming from a white screenwriter, it just doesn't feel quite the same. That to me is more like what he says – or what he says in other times where it's more like I won't live if I'm violent yeah. rather than you don't win with violence is a yeah. very different connotation to me. There is a quote that I've seen quoted around the place that clearly is the most effective one of the movie when Vigo says the world is full of lonely people too scared to make the first move. <laughs> um, yeah. I've seen that a lot. I think people I, really I can, connected that's, with uh, that. That's relatable, yes. Um, and my final note apart from – the high Octavia Spencer one <laughs> is, um, you know how when we saw Boy Erased, yes, and we were talking about how it's movie made for like middle aged straight people to feel good about themselves while also yep. teaching them to be tolerant to of be gay slightly people. better people. Yes, that's what this movie is for white people. Yep, about racism. Uh huh. But you're like, yeah, but we already made this movie lots of times. We have made this movie a lot of times, and you clearly haven't learned yet. <laughs> yeah, so. But that, yes, I think, is my final note. freaking lootly. I thought that because we recorded Boy Race a long time ago, but I only edited it a couple of weeks ago and put it out. And I thought that when I was listening to it, I was like, this is a lot like Green Book in that way. Yeah, only without the uh, finesse, I suppose, of Green Book. Yeah, it's it's a little bit rougher around the edges. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, still has some good acting talent on the screen, but it doesn't quite have that. Yeah, like it's also it's not sheen. Yeah, no, and and yeah, that's right. It's also not particularly well made, but also you can see the lack of budget over there. Whereas this, at least, you kind of can see a bit of the budget and polish yeah. on screen. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, do we want to rate Green Book? Sure. I don't even know what to give it. Like three stars. Yeah. Like a resounding meh. That's that's exactly the score I gave it. I yeah. gave it three stars because I'm like, it's good enough. Yeah, exactly. It um, has a lot of problems, but also like it's not a, like it's not the worst watching. Yeah, it has a lot of problems you can't take away with the fact that it's still pretty good filmmaking. It's pretty well put together. The story is fine. It clicks along. It, it, it makes you feel something. It yeah. leads you somewhere and tries to teach you something. So, yeah, there is that aspect to it. But at the same time, yeah, there are other better films out there. Yeah. And Mahershala Ali definitely is a star, like gives the movie basically a star by himself. Yes. If he wasn't in it, it definitely wouldn't oh, have been as good. Absolutely raises this, the um, raises it. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you'd like to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.